You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Thank you all oh so very much for joining me today. I do have time constraints because at 8.30 today I got to jump on with the good old boys at the Unknown Packers podcast. I got to make sure that I'm ready and prepared for that whole situation. Make sure you uh, check out their podcast because um, I'll be on it and you just get... If, if an hour or however long this is of me is not enough, you can go over there and get more. That's the idea anyways. But today on the Packernet Podcast, there's actually quite a bit to, uh, to get to. We got um, at least one note from around the NFL, Chicago Bears specifically. Uh, some kind of maybe updates on Jair Alexander. Uh, otherwise, again, I did want to kind of run through some of the more um, year-long NFL across-the-league PFF stats, if that makes any sense. It doesn't, but whatever. And then also, I went over to Patreon, uh, because that's where I ask for questions now, because, well, I mean, they support me, and they should get some perks once in a while. Is that a perk? I don't know. But if they have questions, they get to ask them. And they did. So we'll, uh, somewhere in there, with all the things I just mentioned... Put together makes a podcast, and that's what we're going to do today. It kind of feels like one of those cooking shows, um, like MasterChef, where they're like, you know, you lift up the crate, and underneath it is like a hodgepodge of garbage. There's like eggs, celery, dark chocolate, salmon. Best of luck. Then you got to make a meal. That's pretty much me when I do a podcast every day. Here's a pile of information. Make the people happy. All right, you got it, boss. Am I allowed to mention aliens, ghosts, and bumper stickers while I do it? Yeah, yeah, we got a pantry over there of random thoughts. You're allowed to grab anything from the pantry, but no, like, main ingredients outside of what we gave you. You know, a little little paprika, you know, a little onion powder, whatever. I don't think you can use onion powder. I saw them use, I think, garlic powder once, and I thought Gordon Ramsay was going to grab the knife and just, uh, I don't know, do, do things that would not be fun. Why don't we start off with the Jair Alexander news? Apparently, it's kind of not as I described it yesterday, but maybe. The latest information, and again, nothing is official until tomorrow, but the latest that I have heard on Jair Alexander is that um, there is talk that he may be able to play wearing like a shoulder brace. I don't even know what that would look like, but it's a thing. I feel like that would be stupid, though. I mean, what is it What is it going to do? Like, if you put a cast on your arm, it'll keep you from bending your arm, and if that's a thing that you need to make sure you do, not bend your arm, then that the cast will make sure. How do you pretend, protect your shoulder from blunt force trauma when you're playing football? 
don't, I don't know the answer to that, but apparently there's, there's a thing that you can put on your shoulder and he'll be able to play through it. Now, that's not 100%. That's kind of what the second opinion, third opinion, whatever is about. IR is still on the table. You know, surgery is still on the table. All these things are on the table. So we don't know. However, again, there's at least a glimmer of hope that he could be back relatively soon. I'm not even going to tease you with maybe this week. Let's just assume he's not playing this week, but it, it may be sooner than we think. And if it is this week, we would just won the lottery. Congratulations. But I don't think that's on the table. I don't know. Again, we'll get official word. I said tomorrow, I mean today. You know, my time, your time thing. In other injury news, David Montgomery of the Chicago Bears, their running back, um, believe it or not, one of the better players on their team right now, is injured and may miss four to five weeks with a knee injury. Uh, This via ESPN's Dan Graziano says Montgomery, who reportedly avoided a major season-ending injury, will miss Chicago's game against the Raiders, Packers, Bucks, and 49ers. Notice I mentioned Packers on there, so it's not just Bears news. It's uh, specifically Packers news. He could return for Week 9 against Pittsburgh, uh, though the team might rest him through their Week 10 bye and save him for Week 11 against Baltimore. I don't know why they wouldn't. It's not like they're going to have a chance at a playoff berth at that point. Montgomery is coming off the best game of his season, 106-yard, two-touchdown outing against Detroit. His absence opens a rushing vacuum as Montgomery accounted for 63% of the team's rushing attempts, the fifth highest rate in the NFL. Damian Williams will likely serve as the team's primary back over the next month. His pass-catching prowess could translate to three-down roll. Khalil Herbert, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. You get the point, right? So, um... The Bears are going to be uh, taking a bit of a hit not having their main running back, especially considering their quarterback woes, although nobody seems to think they have any. But let's just say that they have some issues throwing the ball. Since we're on the topic of injuries, I may as well bring it up. Um, Over the Cap produced an article doing a little breakdown of basically how much cap dollars are currently on IR based on each team. Um, And they have a couple different columns here, but based just on the salary cap, The Packers right now are in fourth place behind the Cowboys, Ravens, and Jets. Um, The Packers, though, strangely enough, if you look at all the teams, this just goes to show like the quality of the player. And I wish they had a column for that for like average per player. The Cowboys have 18 players on IR right now. So to all the people crying about how many people we have on IR, it's, it's still one of the least. I can hardly find very many teams that have less. Most of the league has more than us. But the Cowboys have 18, the Ravens have 18, the Jets have 13, um, the Broncos below us have 15, we have 7. We have 7. However, compared to the Broncos' 15 players, which account for $26.7 million of their cap, the Packers have 7, which account for $31.2 million on the cap. And if you look at their annual contract value, I believe the Packers are actually number 1. So, um... In terms of number of players hurt, the Packers are not that hurt. It's just that all of our really high-profile guys are hurt. And I wish I actually, I wonder if I can do that. I probably shouldn't. I I wish I'd have thought of this earlier. I'd just throw this in an Excel sheet and figure it out, um, the price per guy. I mean, I guess I can just do a quick calculator calculation. So the average price for the salary cap is $4.4 million for each player. The guys in first place, the Cowboys with 18 players on IR, it's a little over $2 million each. So it's almost double the the guys in first place on a per-player basis. And we didn't even pay Jair yet. (laughs) 
that's the crazy thing. That, that dude's on his rookie contract. But, uh, yeah, Bakhtiari is obviously a, it's a, it's a heavy cost. Elton, too. I mean, it's imagine if those guys actually got paid what their value was. But, again, that's the main takeaway here. The Packers are not actually very hurt. Um, if you just go down the line and look at, you know, it's not in order, but just to give you an idea, these are the, the Cowboys have 18, Ravens 18, Jets 13, Broncos 15, Texans 9, Colts 12, Lions 11, Patriots 11, Saints 12, Browns 11, Eagles 9, Raiders 8, 49ers 11, Giants 12, Steelers 8, and then you got to get all the way down here to the Cardinals at 5. Then the Dolphins have 6, 4, uh, 8, 8, 4, 4, Titans have 14, but obviously all scrubs. Falcons 9, Jaguars 5, Bucks 10, Vikings 9, and then 2, 3, 5, 2 for the Chiefs, Bengals, Rams, and Bills. So um, more than half the league has more guys on IR than us, but nobody really even comes super close as far as the value of the players. So kind of reiterating what I said yesterday, we have not been the most hurt team in football. We've been one of the least hurt teams in football, and even now, as drastic and horrible as things are, we're still not very hurt compared to a lot of the other teams. But again, a lot of times we just say stuff without having any real perception of what everybody else is going through. You know, if we have a guy go on IR, it's like, this is horrible. This is uh, this is unacceptable. And it's like, other teams have like five or six guys. Did you not know? Well, no, I don't pay attention to other teams. Well, then stop saying <laughs> in comparison to other teams. Don't make the statement we're the most hurt or any of these kinds of things if you don't realize what you're talking about. Oh, where to go from here? I'm not sure. Do, 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 do. Well, let's let's just do this. Um, looking at, th- this one kind of caught my eye. Everybody has their own rankings and everything else, but um, CBS did their power rankings, and I was kind of surprised to see the Packers actually in second place behind the Cardinals. This is such a shocking ranking. I'm, I'm kind of blown away. Um, the Cardinals clearly are impressing a lot of people, and I'm still... I, I, first of all, I haven't really looked very closely at them, but I do know Kyler Murray is playing out of his mind. There's a lot of now talk after four weeks of him being in the MVP conversation, possibly even leading that conversation. Um, I do know the last time I looked, he was just dominating, and I'm curious to look, but I need to stop being distracted. So I'm just going to leave it alone, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But the Packers are number two, even ahead of the Buccaneers. Oh, why? See, I have, I have a Chrome thing. That's supposed to block pop-ups, and that one got around it, and that's really disappointing because that was very loud, and um, I'm not happy about that. Anyways, here's what they had to say about the Green Bay Packers. After the awful showing in week one, they have turned their season around quickly. At 3-1, and one, they have a nice hold of the division after the first month. That's all they really said, but again, the, the reason that shocks me, and I, I said so on the podcast they're, they're still not going to put them above the Buccaneers, and they probably won't put them above the Bills. They have the Buccaneers third and the Bills fourth. That's it, It's weird because I'm, I don't want to argue with them. I'm just confused and shocked. And, and, and again, it's just CBS, and maybe it's just uh, Pete Prisco is a big Packer fan. I don't really know the situation. But it just it, it shocks me in a good way. But, I mean, the Buccaneers are 3-1. and one. The, Bill, the Bills are... Not only three and one, they followed the exact same trajectory as the Packers. They lost an embarrassing game to the Steelers week one, not nearly as embarrassing as the Packers. And they have been absolutely torching everybody, including last week winning 40 to nothing. And the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. Maybe it was just the way that it went down with the Patriots because they almost lost to the Patriots and nobody thinks the Patriots are very good. Maybe that was the big thing. But point is, you love to see it. 
you know, the, the big crusade I've been on is respect, not that it matters, but they just, they, they should get the respect they deserve. That's it. And I think there's a fair share of criticism. And to be honest, if I had to rank the teams, I don't know if they would be second or not. I don't know if the Cardinals would be first. I don't know. I haven't tried it. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think it over. But especially with the injuries, it's pretty staggering. But again, you love to see it. Beyond that, just want to look at some of the lines right now just to see where everything's kind of sitting at. Um, Green Bay Packers are at minus three against the Bengals. That one, again, it surprises me. Everything surprises me now. Apparently, every, everything is just kind of floating out there, and everybody's... It doesn't surprise me in terms of I necessarily disagree with it. It surprises me that everybody else disagree with, disagrees with it. I expect, and, and I guess this is Vegas, not necessarily the media. Vegas is going to have a much more accurate view of things, but um, my general view, and I know the Bengals are 3-1, and one, but most people view the Bengals as not super great, and a lot of their wins are kind of iffy, and the Packers are a powerhouse, as you can see by the CBS rankings, obviously. CBS, for example, had them 13th. They go on to say, is their 3-1 and one record legitimate? They are improved, but we will know how much improved against the Packers. So, in other words, a lot of people aren't buying it, but apparently Vegas to some degree is. Now, this is in Cincinnati, um, so that works to the Bengals' favor, kind of, you know, I don't know to what degree or, or what the line would be if it was in Lambeau. Would it be minus six or minus five or minus four? I don't know. But I, I do think it's important because I think as we start to look at the Cincinnati Bengals, which will start tomorrow, and probably a little bit today because I think the guys at the Unknown Packers podcast are going to want to talk about um, the Bengals quite a bit. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a preview of that on there. But I, I think, let me put it this way. I had somebody reach out on, on Twitter, and I don't think it was a DM, so you can probably find it. But he said he was worried that the Packers were going to come in a little overconfident on this. And I said, I really don't think that's the case. And the reason I don't think that's the case is because I don't think anyone underestimates the Bengals. And when you factor in it's a road game, you factor in that the Bengals are three and one, the factor in the fact that, I mean, you look at the quarterback and wide receiver and how well they're playing, the running back with Mixon. I mean, the, the offensive weapons, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Vikings, to be honest. You've got the capable quarterback, the scary wide receiver, the talented running back, the suspect offensive line, but, you know, still works. And then a defense that is surprisingly scary, although that's a little bit different because I think the Bengals I look at and say they don't really have very much, but yet they're doing well. The Vikings I look at and say they got some pretty good pieces, but yet they don't they do not do quite as well. But it, it's it's very similar. And so th- there is a, a lot to overcome. And, and just like all these other games where you can easily point out weaknesses. I mean, with the 49ers, there are weaknesses. With the Steelers, there are weaknesses. With the Saints, there are weaknesses. With the Lions, there are weaknesses. But every single one of those games, there were at least moments, even in the Lions game, where I was like, dude, we might lose this game. You know, I mean, you look at the Steelers game, it really, aside from them getting the lead, the Packers were mostly in control, but I mean, you could feel how tough of a grind that was. And I think the Bengals would be very similar. As much as we all just in the back of our mind instinctively think the Bengals are trash, and I think to some degree they're probably not as good as their record, I think the Packers need to have that same mentality and just, again, match up with Jair not in. Um, we're going up against some some talented wide receiver. That's not great. Probably going to need to lean really heavily on our pass rushers. Unfortunately, Zadarius, you know, not playing. But again, it's really just going to come down to the guys that we do have need to play at an at another level. And we know everybody won't. So the guys that are, again, you got to put even bigger load on your back. You know, Kings guys like Kingsley Kiki just having an absolute bang up day. 
were massive. I mean, it, it, it changed everything for us. Guys like Randall Cobb just blowing up out of nowhere. We need that kind of stuff. We need guys like Randall, uh, like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, these kinds of guys. You know, when you factor everything in, the quality of the opponent, the location, the injuries, the referees, and then just certain guys just not having good days, the, the guys that are there and are ready to play, they're going to have to just go that extra mile. They're going to have to put up 110%, and that's how you're going to have to win. And I think that's just the way it's going to be for most of the year. I mean, with every opponent, and as much as, again, that's not super fun, and it would be great if they just won 40 to nothing, I just think that there's a lot of challenges. And I think there's always going to be challenges. This isn't 2020. This is 2021, and it's just, you know, I've never seen worse officiating. The, the injuries not only are not really necessarily in terms of quantity, but just the 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 hit rate of of elite players. I mean, it's just going right down the line. I'm really scared. <laughs> we we need to really protect Aaron Rodgers because I don't know. There's not too many left. There's not too many premier players left on that list to knock off. By the way, uh, other games this week, the Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions are playing, which always kind of makes you sad because on one hand, it's nice because you know one of them's going to lose. On the other hand, it's like, man, last week the Bears get a gimme. Now this week the Vikings get a gimme. Stupid Vikings. But I guess we had ours. We can't really can't really complain about it. But Vikings are minus seven and a half, so they're heavy favorites. I'm not touching that game because, I, again, I don't want to touch any of these. Everything is so weird right now. But uh, the Bears are going up against the Raiders. Uh, Raiders are five and a half point favorites. So, I mean, that just really goes to show the state of things. As much as you can try to hype the Raiders, that's that's a pretty hefty number for a pretty mediocre team in the Raiders. Also, we get Cardinals 49ers, which is fantastic because that's one where somebody has to lose. Um, either the Cardinals drop and get their first loss, which is great for us, or the 49ers lose their, what, third straight in a row and just are in a complete pit of despair, which is also fantastic. So that's great. Bills-Chiefs, um, great game. Chiefs are favorites. I'm not even entirely sure why. Two and a half points. But again, and that's AFC, so it doesn't matter as much, but one of those two teams has to fall. And that's awesome. And I guess there's also Rams-Seahawks, which is uh, the game this Thursday, uh, tomorrow, which doesn't feel as big, but it it probably really is. Um, I don't really know what to expect from these two teams. But again, one of them's about to... The the reason this makes a big deal, and it, it, it sounds like I'm talking about nothing, but just envision... Just close your eyes and picture the end of the season. Remember how tight all these games are? Remember how it's like you're, we're, we're head-to-head with this team, and it's like we if, if that team loses, we get the number one seed, and how critical that is? It, it seems like nothing now because we see them lose, and it's like, so what? It's one loss. Yeah, but it matters. We need these teams to start racking up losses, right? We need the Cardinals to lose, and if they don't, then the 49ers lose, and I guess that's a great consolation prize. If they miss the playoffs entirely, that would be the greatest scenario in the world. Same with with Rams and Seahawks. I mean, there's there's all kinds of you know tiebreaker scenarios, uh, home field advantage scenarios. If we don't get the number one seed, at least if you get the number two, you're pretty much going to be home field for a, a, most of the way through, maybe all the way through if the number one seed gets knocked off. So we are, you know, again, everybody wants to cry to me about how dare you talk about anything but the Packers. These things massively impact the Packers. So, you know, things to keep an eye on. Final thing I wanted to address is the Packers' history in Cincinnati. I also had somebody, I think it was the same person, reach out on Twitter and talk about how we have a terrible track record in Cincinnati. Yes and no. Um, I guess it depends what how much you care about history. Some people don't care at all. I tend to lean that way. But there's definitely certain trends that tend to matter or whatever. I don't think there's much here. 
if you look at the overall record, it's something like, I guess I'll pull it up. I shouldn't be saying something like, I have a podcast, this isn't a conversation at a bar. But strictly speaking, if we're talking about Paul Brown Stadium, which was built in 2000, uh, the Packers have played there twice and lost twice. If we're talking about the Bengals on the road in the history, basically since 1976, the first time they played, the Packers are one and four. So you kind of get what I'm saying, right? It's it's uh, If we're going to say that 1976 has anything in the world to do with this game, this is absurd. Now, there are certain things that you can take into account. For for example, I when I look at the 49ers game in San Francisco, I said that it matters because 90% of this team was on that the team when they played there. Um, 1976, we lost. 1983, we lost. 2005, we lost. 2013, we lost. And 1998, we won. The only game here that's relevant is 2013, which, by the way, Aaron Rodgers has played one game in Paul Brown Stadium, and we lost that game. So given the sample size... Given the fact that it was a 30-34 to game, which of course is very, very close, given the fact that we're talking about A.J. Green and Andy Dalton versus Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, uh, Jordy Nelson, and, uh, you know, James Jones. By the way, Jonathan Franklin and James Starks were our running backs. It's just so cool to look at some of these names, too. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, the running back. Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, remember that dude? Mohamed Sanu, who's still kind of lingering. Marvin Jones, who has, you know, been on a lot of different teams. Tyler Eifert? Are you serious? I wonder if he was a rookie or something at the time. It feels like a long time ago. That was eight years ago. Anyways, what can you glean from the fact that Aaron Rodgers played in Paul Brown Stadium with an entirely different team, less like two players, um, eight years ago and lost by, what, three points? Four points? By four points. What What is it we can glean from that? I would say very little. So I just... It doesn't mean anything to me. It's such an uncommon opponent. You know, Mike McCarthy versus Marvin Lewis. It also happened to be 2013, which was a really bad year for the Packers. You know, in 2012, they were 11-5. 2014, they were 12-4. But 2013, they were 8-7-1. So, you know, this was not the best version of the Packers, necessarily. So, anyways... I'm just telling you that because if that pops up, and you can form your own opinion, if you care about 1976 and the the aura from the universe or however that works, then that's fine. I'm just just telling you if it comes up, that's the information. Do what you want with it. But anyways, uh, I think we're going to cut it there. We'll go ahead and take a break. Um, I did have some people reach out about the Deguara jersey. Again, if we didn't reach out to you on Instagram, then I'm sorry to inform you you didn't win. I'm sorry I didn't announce it here. But uh, every time I thought about it, it was right at this moment. And I'm like, I don't want to have to message Jacob to be like, hey, who was that? And then wait for him to respond because I got to, I don't know if that's going to be a half hour or 10 minutes or what it's going to be. But anyways, uh, if you won, you heard from us on Instagram. Also, I've not heard any more about further giveaways. Supposedly, there's going to be some, but I'm not entirely sure. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, we'll let you know when we find out more information. Anyways, I didn't even see this, but big shout out and thank you to Mr. Joel Heckman for upping his pledge on the Patreons. I really do greatly appreciate that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support this here podcast. Um, If Patreon is not your thing, you don't want to do month to month, uh, you can check the description in the podcast and kind of see more of what's in there, etc, etc. Different options, different uh, whatever. Otherwise, why don't we just go ahead and take a break? We'll be right back. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I'll be honest, I don't think we're going to get to the PFF stuff, but that's fine. We did that yesterday. If there's anything super interesting, I'll make a little note of it, and we'll talk about it one of these days. But um, let's look at Patreon and uh, meander through the comments. So Douglas Chapin been supporting for four months. Greatly appreciate that. He's got several questions in here, so I'm just going to go through all of yours first. What is a good player to pick up or trade for at cornerback? So... Um, kind of went over it yesterday. However, decided to dig around on some other articles to see what other people are saying. Um, couple different art. If you if you're looking for how do I figure this out, just look for uh, trade deadline NFL or whatever. Google that. Now I'm more or less just going to list these because I, I again I already went over this yesterday, so I don't want to go super in depth. But some options that people came up for trade candidates because yesterday I more or less went into free agency these are some trade options number one is Minnesota Vikings cornerback Cam Dantzler number two would be Noah Igbenogany cornerback for the Miami Dolphins um, Stefan Gilmore obviously is the big one for the New England Patriots 
again, I know that's the one that makes everyone's ears perk up, but if they're really, really good, that also means they're going to be expensive and it's going to cost a lot in the draft, and I don't picture the Packers doing that, but we'll see how it goes. If Jair is out, let's say, for the year, and if the Packers are saying this is like our last chance, then I don't know why they wouldn't, because what does it matter? If they don't, then that means that that's not what they're thinking, so that would be that would be that line of thinking. Joe Hayden, cornerback for the Steelers, Ronald Darby, cornerback for the Denver Broncos, and finally, William Jackson, the third cornerback for the Washington football team. Um, if you have any specific questions about any of these guys, I would be happy to clear that up, but again, I don't want to spend a ton of time um, kind of just going over the specifics, PFF grades, all that stuff. Most of them are not going to be all that great, but again, feel free to follow up with uh, specific questions on that. Next question, he says, do you think Savage could really move to cornerback? Uh, the fact that you said really move to cornerback leads me to believe that some people are suggesting this. Um, I generally always hate this. I always hate switching positions because I think we underestimate the complexity of it. Um, look how much time it's taken for Savage to learn how to be a safety in the NFL. Trying to get him to learn to be a corner in the NFL, it's starting over again. Now, he's going to have somewhat of an understanding of how the defense works and things like that, and on some level, it's just playing football, um, but I generally just hate this. The other issue is if Savage, generally, if you're going to move a safety up to play corner, you're putting him in the slot, and that isn't a concern of ours. I don't see Savage playing as a boundary corner. Beyond that, we're creating two problems. We're putting Savage in a position where he becomes a not very good corner. We're also losing Savage as a safety. So I feel like we're creating two problems at once. So, I mean, is he capable? I mean, he played a ton of slot in college. In fact, that was what he did the most in his in his senior year in 2018. The majority of his snaps were in the slot. But again, how many times did they actually put him out wide? 11 out of 725, 11. So that's not what they're going to have him do generally. That's not what he's familiar with. That's not what he knows how to do. So no, uh, I don't see that as a viable option. He says, has a player ever played with a bum shoulder before? I'm sure most players play with a bum shoulder. Has anyone ever played with this specific injury? I don't know, probably, but even so, it doesn't really tell us much because there's going to be different grades and varying degrees. And even on top of that, you got varying um, ways of testing compared from, you know, if we pull somebody from 1994, um, you know, I, I guess the answer is I don't know. But even if I did, again, it doesn't it doesn't really tell us anything because this is a unique scenario. Final question. The Bengals have a lot of pretty good wide receivers. I think they have a lot of decent corner. Uh, I think have a lot of decent cornerback would be important to win this against them. Do you think we would make a big signing or trade at this point? Do you wish we would have picked up Richard Sherman? I know it's speculation, but I kind of wanted him. You got to remember all the trouble he just got himself into. That that absolutely matters, and and the Buccaneers don't generally care about any of that. Just look at the fact that Antonio Brown is on their team. Um, the Packers do, so I don't know if that was ever going to be on their radar. Um, and also, you know, Richard Sherman isn't the guy that he was. I know he's a great corner when he was with the 49ers like two, three years ago but he immediately fell off after that. I don't know, especially when he's got all the off-the-field stuff, it's hard to imagine he's been staying in tip-top shape and his mind has been 100% on football and all that. But um, again, I kind of already answered this yesterday, but am I anticipating it? No. Now, there is a very obvious scenario in which this happens, and that is essentially if the Packers are desperate, because this is not a Packers thing to do. 
desperation sets in when you look at this and say, this is our last big year. I mean, maybe next year we'll have Jordan Love and he'll be great. But if we assume Rodgers is leaving or there's a very good chance he is, and this is our last shot with Rodgers, and we cannot survive with the corners that we have, and we can win a Super Bowl if we have a real good corner, then you have to. You just have to. But I don't think that's the mentality of the Packers. I don't think, I think that's how the fans feel. I think the fans feel that every year, that we have to win this year. And if we don't, it's a failure and you should all be fired and it's horrible. But I don't think they, they see things that way. They want to win this year, but they also want to win next year and the year after that and the year after that. And they don't want to put themselves in a position where we're going to try real hard to win this year, but the next three years, there's zero chance we're going to win. That's just not, that's not how the Packers operate. And, um, Considering, again, the cap situation that we're in this year and next year, um, the odds of us being able to even afford making a big move is, is almost almost zero. Uh, Goose has got a bunch of questions in here. He starts off with, looking at our next three games, how good or bad do you feel about them? I'm personally looking at it as if we beat Cincinnati and the Bears. I don't mind dropping a Thursday night game. So assuming the, the Thursday game would be against Arizona, that's the one you're thinking we may lose. Um the three games after or before that, the Bengals, the Bears, and Washington. So I'm probably just overly confident with the Bears, and I probably shouldn't be. I just, I'm just not scared of them. I just, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, if they can kind of put up a fight, uh, maybe turn things around, especially if, I, mean, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Cincinnati and Washington, though, make me a little bit more nervous, which I know sounds stupid, but they just have that. I need to think of a different word than grit, but since I've been on that kind of a kick, they just have that kind of factor, and Washington always kind of plays tough. It's one of those that you think you're just going to walk all over them, but, you know, again, they got that defensive line, like New Orleans and like the 49ers, like the Steelers. You can look at everything else and say, yeah, but there's not much else. Well, you got a good defensive line. You can get a good pass rush. We can't run the ball, and you got one good wide receiver. If you're playing a real good game, you're at least going to cause some problems for us. Ultimately, however, I, I would be very sh- uh, shocked, surprised if we don't win two of the next three. Um, only for statistical reasons would I be surprised if we won all three. But I mean, in rea- if you pick any one of them, the Packers should be relatively heavy favorites. I know we're only minus three against the Bengals, but I think the good news is it's on the road against the Bengals, on the road against the Bears, and then we're home against Washington. So Washington has to fly out to Green Bay, which gives us a pretty big advantage. Unfortunately, then it's on the road against the Cardinals and the Chiefs, which uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the Chiefs and see what they're doing. That may be a more winnable game than than it would appear. But I mean, we're getting so far down the rabbit hole. We got to see what all the injuries and everything are. But um, bottom line is we kind of went through a little bit of a gauntlet and went three and one. We get a bit of a reprieve with the Bengals, Bears, and Washington, and then we've got the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Vikings, and the Rams before our bye. That is a heck of a gauntlet. And so you kind of look at these three games and and feel like you kind of have to win all three. I mean, you don't, but if we're going to try to get to, you know, three or four losses by the end of the season, and we already have one, and you kind of know you're not going undefeated against the Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks, Vikings, and Rams... I don't want to say we're going to split or, or come away with, you know, two to three wins, but two to three losses are are possible. And then we got the Bears, the Ravens, the Browns, the Vikings, and the Lions. Those aren't exactly guarantees, but it's, you know, I wouldn't call it a gauntlet. So I guess if you're asking how do I feel about the upcoming games, I think they're important because these are the games you can't lose. Otherwise, you start looking and saying we have to beat the Cardinals. You have to beat the Chiefs. You have to beat the Rams. 
And uh, I don't want to say, I like you said, you wouldn't mind giving up that Thursday game. Of course, you and I both are going to mind very much when it's happening. We're going to be very angry. But I get what you're saying. And and the only way you can even have that attitude is if we, like you said, if we clean house. If we go 3-0, and you look at it and say, I hope we beat the Cardinals. But if we don't, it's a good thing we won those three games. You know, 6-2 and two is not the worst thing in the world. The only thing that's scary about it is you look at it and say, okay, well, you beat up on a bunch of trash teams. You come up against the first real good team and get beat. Now you got the, I mean, you could lose to the Chiefs, could lose to the Seahawks, could lose to the Vikings, could lose to the Rams. But again, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I think, I think we're kind of in agreement on that. Another Goose uh, question. How much do you think we're going to ride our run game for the next while to control time of, uh, time of possession, protect our defense? Here's sort of my thought on that. I think it's important, but I think the Packers also get... I think they use the pass game to control the time of possession and things because at the end of the day, the way that you stay on the field is to get first downs. I mean, running the ball technically ticks the the clock down, but that does no good if you go three and up, right? So you rip 40 seconds off and, uh, you know, you run your first play, you rip 40 seconds off, run your second play, take another 40 seconds off, run your third play, 40 seconds and punt. I think the Packers' priority, honestly, as much as maybe they want to kind of keep a mind toward time of possession. It's just to put your best plays for, put your best plays out there. You know, whatever it is we think is going to be successful, if that's throwing all the time, fine. And, and to be to be completely honest, I mean, the their passing game largely has been kind of playing small ball. So that works to our advantage. I mean, if you think about it, uh, and this is what the commentators always say also, a wide receiver screen is essentially a run play. Right? You're you're throwing it to the wide receiver. He becomes it, it it's like this weird new game of football where you have one guy with the ball, two blockers and two defenders, right? And that's and that's that's what you run out of. It's like the wide receivers running wildcat with two blockers against two defenders. So I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily counting on it, but I think they understand. I mean, you have to have that element and they're going to want to lean on it. And so they might be hoping that it does well so they can lean a little bit heavier so that we can grind a little bit more time and a little bit more clock, wear down their defense and, you know, kind of work them that way but I, th- I think that's every every team every game all the time you always want to have that element Jason says is Matt LaFleur ever going to get any credit I I really don't know I mean I said the Packers wouldn't get credit in the very next week they're starting to get it uh we did see that first graphic of Matt LaFleur so maybe it's one of those things where people are just they just never really thought about it and so they're going to start to notice it and think about it I do think it's it's going to require at least a Super Bowl you know when you can put Super Bowl winning the other the other thing is as much as it's shallow and silly is he's still a relatively young guy and he looks really young I mean you could say well Sean McVay looks young yeah kind of <laughs> but he's Matt LaFleur looks like he's 22 years old I mean I mean he's he's physically small in stature which shouldn't matter but I'm, I'm just I'm just saying he's very soft-spoken he's a smaller guy he looks really young he doesn't seem like this titanic human being and I think when you think about these dominant coaches, you, you think about these big, larger-than-life figures. I do think there's some psychology to it. And then people use the the Aaron Rodgers thing as an excuse. But I just think there's like a mental block when people think about Matt LaFleur as being a great coach. Like, that guy? No. He's just kind of riding the coat. I mean, he's just there, but he's not the one doing it. But that, that again, that doesn't make any sense. But, um, I mean, another good year is, is going gonna, is gonna to help. Um, a Super Bowl is going to be massive. And then if, if he has continued success beyond Aaron Rodgers, even though that's somewhat of an unfair standard that n- nobody else is held to, um, 
it's kind of just getting to the point where you can't ignore it anymore, you know? But I think it's going to be a while. The, 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 the quickest that it's going to happen, I think, is going to be a Super Bowl. When he becomes a Super Bowl winning coach in 2021, um, you know, considering his, his, his win record is going to be better than just about anybody else, and you, you put those two things side by side, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is on this team is, is completely eviscerated. I mean, Mike McCarthy didn't have this record. He had Aaron Rodgers. Did he start off like this? I mean, just, just they showed the list of, of coaches. Are those all the coaches with the best quarterbacks in football? Who are the best quarterbacks in football? Do they start off this way? Why not? It's just, it's a silly, I don't know. And again, I don't think it's a rational thought. I think it's a cop-out. Nobody's actually digging in and trying to get to the bottom of it and trying to figure it out. It's just, is Matt LaFleur one of the best? No. Well, what about these stats? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers. And that's literally the the full extent of the thought process. So, Yes, I get annoyed by it. Jason, you get annoyed by it. We get annoyed by it because we want this guy who's accomplished something really impressive. I mean, in the entirety of football history, impressive. And everyone just kind of shrugs and goes, Aaron Rodgers. Same thing. It's the same thing with players, too. Like, is Devontae good? Nah, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers good? Nah, he's got good wide receivers. Nah, 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 nah. People drive me nuts. David says, is losing Jair the second hardest player to lose behind Rodgers? Yes. Um, I think you could compete. Competing would be Zadarius, but I think with Rashawn and Preston there, the drop-off is less. You could put Bakhtiari there, but the fact that we're kind of holding up, and maybe we will at corner too, but I, I just doubt it. Um, it's, it's the quality of the player, but also the, the amount of drop-off that's going to be there. I mean, it's just, I would say... I. I Without any doubt in my mind, the biggest hit and, and the most damaging injury to this team outside of Aaron Rodgers in terms of just win-loss record would be Jair Alexander. Joel says, if we lose Jair for the season, how big of a hit do our Super Bowl chances take? Do we have a realistic chance without him? Try to Trying to temper expectations. Uh, I think you need to have corners. I really do. I don't, I don't think they have to be the best in the world. I don't think you need the number one guy, but you can't have trash corners. I mean, the last time we won a Super Bowl, we had some pretty solid DB. You have to at least be able to do something in a passing league against passing team. You know, if you're talking about playing in a Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, you know, playing in an NFC Championship against Tampa Bay or Super Bowl against either the Bills or against the Chiefs, I mean, you're talking about quarterback wide receiver. In all three of those examples, you have to be able to do something. So it's it's really going to come down to, you know, can Stokes and King rise to the occasion and at least be good enough, especially with the help of Savage and Amos. And and remember, we do have some good safeties, and Stokes is still a question mark. Um, we've certainly had worse worse teams, worse defenses, worse corners by a mile, and, and we, we didn't think during the Randall and Rollins days, although we weren't super optimistic, we didn't think that we had zero chance. I mean, we had... You know, it, it hurts more because we had him and lost him. And if we just never had him, we might be a little bit more optimistic than we are. Um, but how big of a hit do our Super Bowl chances take? I, it's a hit. It's definitely a hit. So, uh, but again, we'll we'll get some more information later today about that, and hopefully it'll be good news. We'll have to see how it goes. But anyways, I got about 30 minutes to kind of take a quick break, come back down here and get recording with the... Uh, the unknown Packer boys. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>